For y'all who have been here the last several weeks, y'all know that we're talking about something we're referring to as the good and beautiful God. It's a sermon series we've been going over for about the last six or seven weeks, and uh, if you've been here, you'll know that uh, it's kind of based on a book uh, that I read a number of years ago by a guy named Brian or James Brian Smith. Uh, you know, beyond the Bible and, and a few other Christian books, you know, this was one that really greatly impacted my life personally uh, a number of years ago, and, and it helped me tremendously. It helped me uh, tremendously to understand, to come to a better and a more real understanding of the nature and the character of, 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 of what God is, of who God is, not just, you know, every, everything about him. And uh, it also brought me to the understanding of how, ha how having these right understandings of the true nature and character of God are going to affect our relationship with him, how they are going to affect our relationships with other people, and definitely how they are going to affect our ability uh, to work alongside with the Holy Spirit, you know, in growing spiritually, growing into Christ's likeness that we talk about so much. Like I said last week, you know, I, I really hope that you guys have enjoyed uh, these, this, this, these series, these particular sermons, as much as I've enjoyed preaching them. Uh, if you've not enjoyed them, the good news is we're going to wrap them up probably next week and, and, and move, move forward into something else. But nonetheless, um, here's the thing, you know, many of us, as I've, as I've told you, y'all probably, I'm sure... I'm sure you're tired of hearing me repeat myself if you've been here every week, but uh, just for the folks who may not have, I'll remind you, you know, many of us have false or bad understandings of who God is, what God is, and as we've discovered over this series, uh, some of these misunderstandings, you know, have come maybe from personal experiences we've had, or maybe, really, probably more often than not, they've come from some bad teachings that we've heard in the church somewhere along the way. But here's the thing, these false beliefs that we have, these false beliefs that we have are what we've been calling false narratives about God's nature and about God's character. They become so ingrained in us, they become so ingrained in our minds and our hearts that it's extremely, extremely difficult to break away from them. Well, this presents a major problem for us. It's a major problem because what we believe about God, and it's so cool the way God just continues to throw, throw stuff like this into your life when you're... Um, when you're when you're when you're you know studying on this particular subject and you feel like God's really giving you a word, I was up after after Sandy and Parker had gone to bed um, one night watching television this week and uh, watching some some Christian teacher because that's the you know eleven o'clock I'm I'm a party guy, um, but he was talking about exactly the same thing and he said exactly the same thing. What you believe about your theology, your understanding of God, is going to affect everything in life. It's going to affect your ability to have a right or a good or a healthy relationship with God and others. It was basically, he was basically repeating everything that I had repeated to you guys the last several weeks. So it's just cool, you know, that God will give you some kind of affirmation about that. <clears throat> what we, if we believe, let me give you a couple examples. I think I've kind of fallen short on that, um, what, what I mean specifically. If we believe that God, as we've been talking about, is overall good, if we believe that overall, the the thought at the end of the day, the love, the, the nature of God, the primary character and nature of God is good, that God is loving, that God is merciful, that he's always looking out for our best interests. That's going to affect our relationship with God. How so? We're going to be more comfortable about approaching God. We're going to trust God to be what he says he is. And we're going to trust God to do what he tells us he will do. Our relationship with God, if we understand this as his overall nature and character, is going to be much more intimate and it's going to be much more life-affirming 
Surely you can see how that's going to play out in our relationships with other people. It flows into our relationships with our families, with our friends, with our co-workers, with our neighbors, even with our strangers. We tend, if we have this understanding about who God is, if this is our theology of God, so to speak, we're going to be probably a little bit more compassionate. We're probably going to be a little bit more merciful. And we're probably going to be a little bit more empathetic with people. Now, y'all can probably see at this time how that works out the other way. If we believe that God's overall character, we, we, we've talked about sin having consequences, so don't think I'm going down some weird hole here. But we, what we're talking about is the bottom line, the foundation of who God is. If we believe that God's overall character is wrath, if we think that God's primary character in nature is vengeance and, and judgment, being judgmental, if we believe that God is basically, like I said a couple weeks ago, keeping a list of all of our rights and wrongs, just waiting for us to mess up so he can dole out his particular whatever, he, his punishment of his choosing, if we think that that's the overall nature of God, what kind of relationship do you think we're going to have with him? Not much. Nothing real, nothing intimate, certainly nothing trusting. It's good. That's a relationship that's totally based on fear. And I'm not even talking about good fear. There is a good fear of God. A good fear of God is based on understanding God's love for us. A good fear of God is based on an understanding of reverence and grace and gratitude, thankfulness, those types of things. This is a different kind of fear. This is an unhealthy fear, this idea that God is constantly out to get us, fearing God because of what he might do to us. It's not going to be a good relationship. It's not going to be intimate at all. Again, you can certainly see how this theology, how this belief of what God's nature and character is is going to but also plays into our relationships with other people. Chances are we're going to be apt to be more judgmental. We're going to be apt to be more condemning. We're going to be apt to be less kind, and we're going to be apt to be a lot less sympathetic. And let's be honest, we've all known these people. I don't think any of y'all are these people. I hope you're not these people. But we've all known them. We've all met them. They, they're the ones that walk around looking like they've been sucking on a lemon all day. <laughs> right? Yeah, we know them. So you can see, you know, you see the importance here of having the right understanding, the right beliefs about God and who he is. Um, you know, I said a minute ago that these beliefs are ingrained in us. Our understanding of God is ingrained in us uh, uh, for years and years and years. It's so hard to undo that. But as we talked about for the last several weeks, you know, how do we undo that? We look to Christ. We look to Jesus as our perfect example of understanding who God is. He gives us that right understanding. And we seek to replace those bad understandings, those false beliefs, those false narratives, as I've called them, with true narratives, with right narratives, with right beliefs that are actually given to us by Christ himself. We're going to talk about God's self-sacrificial nature this morning. Let me give you another affirmation. I had no idea that Kevin was going to include in his stewardship talk what he included about the sacrificial nature of God and giving of his son. There's another affirmation to me that we're going right down the right path here. We're going down the right road. <clears throat> but we're going to talk about God's sacrificial nature just, just for a few minutes this morning. Um, but I want to give you a little bit of a scripture background as we, as we dive into this. And it comes out of the book of Romans. It's Romans chapter 5. And, um, you know, y'all have heard, probably heard this hundreds of times if you've been in church for a long time. But starting in Romans 5, verse 6. And this is so cool. The Bible says this. Paul writes this couple things I'm going to point out to you. So a couple things, couple things I'm going to stress, then I'm going to go, uh, expand on them in, in a minute. Paul writes, you see, at just the right time when we were still powerless, 
Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, although for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us. How? Like this. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Since we've now been justified by this blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath? Through him. Word of God for the people of God. Y'all leave that up for me for a while, Laurel, if you don't mind. Lest we forget, church, this, what I just read, is the very foundation of Christianity. Without this, there is no Christianity. We believe in Jesus. Y'all have heard me say time and time again that Christ is who? Fully God and fully human. Literally God in the flesh here on earth. We believe in that Christ, that God, and we believe that he gave himself up to an unfathomable torture and an unfathomable death so that we might be forgiven, so that we might be reconciled, so that we might be made right, be brought into that right relationship with God so that our sins will never again get in the way of us being able to have that beautiful, perfect, intimate relationship with our Creator. Christianity can't exist without this, this belief. We believe in a God who is by his nature, self-sacrificial. For whose benefit? For ours. By his very nature, Christ, God, is self-sacrificial for the benefit of his creation. Christianity stands on this. But notice what Paul writes here. He's not self-sacrificial just for a few people, but for all people. Y'all heard me look at, or y'all saw me look at you and heard me stress those words. Christ died for the ungodly. For the ungodly. Christ died for those who didn't know him. Christ died for those who will reject him. Christ died for those who will undoubtedly, who he knows are going to turn their backs on him. Paul goes on to give us this example. He says, you know, very rarely will a person die for a righteous person. Although for a good person, somebody might possibly die. And then he gives us that verse that we all know. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I'm going somewhere with this. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Christ didn't die for us when we got perfect. Christ didn't die for us when we pulled ourselves together, after we pulled ourselves together. Christ didn't die for us when we, after we got all of our ducks in a row. And as we've talked about for the last weeks, Christ did not die for us because we earned it. Jesus gave himself for us because he wanted to because he wanted to, because that's who he is, because that's who God is. God is always self-giving, and God is always pouring out his grace for our good. And here's where I'm going with all that. The false narrative that many of us buy into, the false narrative, that the false belief that many of us have and, and, that, and that we have held on to for, 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 for years and years and years is this. 
We believe that we have to work ourselves to God. We believe that we have to work our way to get to God. The fact of the matter is God works his way to us. Not because we've earned it, not because we do it, because we deserve it, because he wants to. Because that's what grace in the eyes of God looks like. We don't work our way to God. God already has and does continue to work his way to us. You know, with the exception of Christianity, no other religion believes this. No other major world religion believes this. Most major world religions believe that, we, yeah, we do have to work our way to God. <clears throat> you have to do certain things to earn God's love, to earn God's favor, to earn God's blessing. You know, do good things, good things are going to happen to you. Do bad things, bad things are going to happen to you. In Hinduism, in Buddhism, uh, this is the principle or the belief that most of us know is karma. It's a term that most of us are familiar with. Do all the right things, you'll be rewarded. Do bad, and you'll suffer. That belief, we talked about this a little bit last week, you know, that belief is familiar to us, even as Christians, and it's attractive to us for a lot of reasons. Um, but one of the reasons that it's so attractive to us and so easy to, in, so easy to buy into is that's what our culture is. We live in an earning culture. You get what you deserve. You you. you you get punished for, 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 uh, for not doing well in this world, and uh, you, you, you receive reward for, for doing well. That's just the way the world works, the secular world. So for us to, to buy into this belief about Christ, about God, about Jesus, is very, very easy. Fortunately for us, that ain't how God works. Isn't that cool? Isn't that a crazy, cool Concept that God is always working his way to us, not the other way around, because we don't have to do that. Remember that scripture that I pulled out for you last week, Matthew 5, 45? Unless y'all again think this is just some crazy, crazy thing that Jerry's coming up with. Matthew 5, 45, I told you this week, it says this, God causes, causes the sun to rise on who? The evil and the good. And he sends the rain to who? The righteous and the unrighteous. God's love and blessings are based on God's self-giving, self-sacrificial, graceful, and merciful nature. He loves and blesses us simply because he loves us. <laughs> and he wants to bless us, period. Not because of what we do or don't do. But it's so hard for us to believe sometimes. We want to earn that love. We want to feel like we, you know, God's going to do good things for us if we just do good for him we have to earn that grace we have to earn that mercy we have to earn the, the good things in life which most of the time aren't good things we don't God wants to pour that stuff out for us he wants us to experience that life that Christ talked about that life abundant and I'm not talking about materialism I'm talking about peace and I'm talking about transformity being transformed into the mind, the nature, the character of Christ himself. That's what God has to offer to us. He wants to give it to us so, so bad, so bad. God, here's a word I love. When talking about God, and this one, this one just, I love, I love using this word in, in, because it just, it, just it, it provides so much meaning um, behind the theme of what we're talking about. God Pursues us. 
Think about that. God pursues us. He doesn't wait for us to come to Him. God's pursuing us. God is running after us. Y'all remember the story about the prodigal son? Yeah, there's a lot of neat little characters in that story. You got the dad, you got the prodigal son, you got the brother. What did the dad do when he saw his son coming down the road? He ran to him, brother. Did he run to him because his son had been doing good? Because his son had earned it? Because his son had been doing all the right things? Absolutely not. <laughs> he pursued his son. Who do y'all think God is in that story? He's always doing that, folks. He's always pursuing us self-sacrificially. He's always giving up his life for Christ out of his self-sacrificial nature. Think about that. God knows not everybody's coming to him. Yet he loves, he gives, he blesses. Christ knew that people were going to reject him. He knew that they were going to mock and they were going to persecute those who called him Lord. He knew good and well that those were gonna, there were going to be people in fact, we're just going to flat out hate him. Guess what? He still gave his life for those people. Here's, here's, the, here's, the, here's, here's the impact statement, if you will. <clears throat> God's grace and love and mercy are not determined by our response to it. Even those who reject, he still loves. Even those who reject him, excuse me, he still loves. Even those who reject him, he still blesses. Ouch. Ouch, we don't want to hear that, do we? That's painful to us a lot of times. But that's the nature of God. Guess what? That's the nature of us. It's the same nature we're called to be this morning at all times. God's love for us. What a, I don't know if I, I, I like to think that I actually wrote that. I don't know if I did or not. God's love for us is not dependent on our response to that love. God continues to love sacrificially. We don't work our way to him, folks. He's worked our way to us, and he continues to do that. This is one of the things, you know, that we recognize as we celebrate communion. You know, in just a few minutes, you're going to hear me say those, say those words, repeating the very words of Christ, you know. He says, this is my blood of the new covenant, poured out for you and for who? For many, for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. What a powerful image that that blood was given for every single person, even those who were not sitting in this sanctuary today or in a church somewhere, even those who will never, never commit to Christ being their Lord. He still died for them. This is my blood poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. If you're looking for God today, if you're trying to work your way to him, don't. He's already 